0: There are storms in life, times in our life that cause us to be afraid. We happen to be living in such a time now. Who would have thought that fear would have gripped the world and our nation and actually keep people from gathering at church? But this fear is spreading. And even if there wasn't a coronavirus, all the other things in life, all the crises we have in life, are still there for us to deal with. Maybe there's a loved one dying, or we fear the grief that follows that death. Maybe we have a family member who is addicted or depressed and is spiraling deeper into a deep and dark ocean. Maybe we're feeling overwhelmed at work or falling behind financially. Maybe we fear for uh, our families. We seem to be surrounded by chaos, and we are afraid. Today's scripture speaks to such times. I'm going to read two passages one from the Gospel of Matthew and the other from the Gospel of Mark. They tell the same story, but with a slightly different perspective. But we're going to read them both because they shed light on each other and they both speak to today's situation. First, I'll read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. You can follow that reading on your computer screens. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And now from Mark chapter 6, 45 through 52. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when when they saw him walking on the lake, They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Both passages start out with the words, immediately. You can hear Jesus saying, quick, guys, get in the boat, let's leave. The Gospel of John tells us why their leaving was so immediate. In John's Gospel, after he feeds the 5,000, the people want to seize him and make him king. And Jesus will have none of it. He tells the disciples, guys, let's get out of here, Let's leave. Now the people had high messianic expectations in those days. And here's Jesus. He can feed the hungry. He can heal the sick. He's a wise teacher. Let's make him king. And he will lead us in the overthrow of the Romans. But Jesus will have none of it. Yes, Jesus came as Messiah. Yes, he came as a king, but not as an earthly king yet. He still had to atone for the sins of his people. Because you see, without an atonement, they might have enjoyed Jesus' rule for a while, but they would still be lost in sin. Their greatest threat wasn't Rome. It wasn't a virus. Their greatest threat was in eternity having to atone for their own sin. So Jesus came to atone for sin. And then after he died, he went to the place of the dead to announce freedom for all those captives, for all those Old Testament saints that are waiting for the Messiah to come. Jesus had to do that also. And then he had to be raised from the dead. This being raised from the dead validated that his atonement was accepted by God. It declared him to be the son of God. And the resurrection is our promise, our foretaste that we too will be raised. And then Jesus had to be ascended into heaven and be rejoined to the Father. Because through the union of the Father and the Son, comes forth the Spirit who would empower the advance of the kingdom of God throughout the earth. It was not time for Jesus to become an earthly king. So he hurriedly sent his disciples away and subdued the crowd and sent them away. And then he went up to a mountainside to pray alone. He was always in communion with the Father. But during times of crisis, during times of decision, we read about Jesus spending considerable amounts of time in prayer. Jesus was probably praying through this crisis of the crowd wanting to make him king. He was probably praying through his grief of learning that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed. He was Jesus, the Presbyterian. John was the Baptist. But aside from that, that silly joke, Jesus spent time in conversation with the Father. His prayer wasn't a bunch of list of things. His prayer was conversing with the Father about all of his life. And I find that that prayer is more about us praying a list. It's it's, it's more about us aligning ourselves with the will of the Father, by talking through everything in our lives. Just this Friday, when we got word that Sedgwick County was telling uh, churches and other organizations to not have a gathering of more than 250 people, Uh, we had a decision to make. I mean, part of me wanted to say, hey, our response to fear is to worship the Lord. But uh, Pastor Mike, Pastor Joe and I, we gathered for prayer and we asked the Lord to speak to us and to give us uh, a word of wisdom. We waited on the Lord. We asked him to speak to our hearts. And less than a minute after we said amen, elder and doctor Bob Bingaman walked into the church office and we said, Bob, what's your take on this? And Bob said, no, the health authorities have called for an emergency. We should abide by it. We should err on the side of safety. He shared his experience as a doctor, his his daughter is a doctor. He shared her experience as well. And so we asked the Lord for a word. He sent us Dr. Bob, and we're going to abide by what we asked the Lord for. But here's the point I wanted to make. The Lord gives us wisdom as we talk to him about our lives. And we would avoid a lot of folly in our lives if we were conversing with the Lord about everything we need to think about and make decisions on. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He dismissed that crowd in the afternoon. And then the text tells us around three or four o'clock in the morning, the fourth watch, he leaves that place. That means he had spent about 12 hours of prayer. He leaves that place and he starts walking on the water towards the disciples. Now, during this time, the disciples have been rowing on the lake against a gale of a wind. It has created waves and white caps. And remember, it's dark by this time. And the disciples see Jesus walking on the lake or walking on the water. If we read this text in our English Bibles, it says they saw Jesus walking on the lake. If we read it in Greek, it says he was walking on the sea. Now those same words, walking on the sea, are in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament that the Gospel writers used. And those same words, walking on the sea, are used of Yahweh in Job chapter 9, verse 8, where it says that God, or Yahweh, walks on the sea. And so this little phrase is an attempt by the gospel writer, Mark, to tell us that Jesus is Yahweh. Now, at this point in the story, the disciples don't see it yet. In fact, they're afraid when they see Jesus walking on the water and they think he's a ghost. The Greek word is phantasm. It means a visible spirit of some type. Now, I'm going to take a little detour from the main gospel story and talk a little bit about ghosts. There are two times when the, when the disciples see Jesus and they think they're seeing a ghost. One of those times is here on the lake. The other time is after the resurrection when Jesus appears to them in an upper room. Now, on both occasions, Jesus does not say to them, you silly boys, there is no such thing as ghosts. In fact, after the resurrection, when he appears to them in the room and they think he's a ghost, He says, no, 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 I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have flesh like I have. And he says, come on, go ahead and and touch me. And then he eats a a piece of fish. So Jesus seems to accept the existence of ghosts. If there were no such thing, Jesus would have said so. So the, the disciples see him walking on the water they think he's a ghost, and they are terrified. Uh, the word in the Greek is actually, they are shaking. So the, the wind is howling, the waves are tossing the boat, and they see this figure walking on the water, and you can even hear them screaming from the text. "Ah!" But Jesus says to them, do not be afraid, it is I. It is I. It's the emphatic for I am. The Greek says ego, a me. The same two words that the Septuagint uses for Yahweh, the great I am. Again, the gospel writer is telling us Jesus is Yahweh. He's the eternal one. He's in control. And this follows the very opening sentence of the Gospel of Mark, where Mark says, The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, Peter says, If it's really you, Lord, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus says, Come. And Peter steps out of the boat and actually starts walking on the water. And as he is looking at Jesus, he continues to walk on the water. But the wind is blowing. The sea is heaving. And Peter stops looking at Jesus and starts noticing the wind, and the waves, and the storm. And he starts to sink. This is also when we start to sink. When we take our eyes off Jesus and his sufficiency, when we start to look at the storm around us, then we grow afraid. And if all we can see is the storm and nothing else, then our fear becomes hopelessness. And when we become hopeless, we sink. Peter was sinking. He was about to drown in a violent sea, but he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, I'm sinking. Save me. And then Jesus grasped him by the hand and saved him and pulled him into the boat. And as soon as they got into the boat, the wind died down and the sea Grew calm. The disciples were completely amazed and they worshiped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. They finally got it. A few seconds before, Matthew records Jesus as saying, "O you of little faith. Mark says their hearts were hardened because they didn't understand from the the loaves that that was testifying to them that he was Yahweh or God. Up until this point in the story and in the gospel, yes, they believe he's the Messiah, but they thought the Messiah would be an earthly king like David, And maybe Jesus was like one of the prophets. Moses, Elijah, Elisha. They could do miracles like he could. They fed a crowd. They cleansed a leper. They raised the dead. But now they started to grasp who he really was. Jesus is the Son of God. Later on, when these gospels are written, they will claim that Jesus is God himself, the eternal one, the sovereign one, the one who's in control even when a storm or crisis rages around us. Jesus is still sovereign. He is still alive. He is still in control. We might think our lives are out of control, but he can intervene and calm the storm. We might be afraid of what we can't control and think the worst will happen, but he is the eternal one. He is in our present, and he is already in our future ready to give us whatever we may need when we need it. Nothing that is happening, nothing that will happen to us is a surprise to Jesus. He will see his people through whatever they happen to be going through. Now concerning the coronavirus. On Thursday night, President Trump gave an address to the nation. And after that speech, I, I looked at um, CNN and Fox and MSNBC. I, I look at all of them just so I have a multitude of, uh, of opinions to consider and weigh. But Rachel Maudow was like speaking in such a way to stir up hysteria. I even started to grow afraid by what she was saying, when already in my prayer time, the Lord was giving me peace about this crisis. I feel like when we get to the month of June, we'll look back and see how the Lord completely took this through, took us through this, and we will think of it as, as just a, a minor bump. But we have to watch what we listen to and what we focus on. I think what we need to be focusing on is the sovereign Lord. Yes, we're going to practice a sober and a sound mind, but God does not give us a spirit of fear. We need to focus on him. Now let's come back to Peter. He had enough faith walk towards jesus when jesus said come so do we we who follow jesus heard jesus say to us come follow and and we did but peter not only started walking towards jesus he got out of a, a boat and started walking towards jesus and maybe that's a border that our faith does not cross because we like to stay in the safety of the boat. Maybe we're afraid to take a step out in ministry. Maybe we're afraid to to give to the Lord his due. Maybe we're afraid to share the gospel. Maybe we're afraid to give up some sin that we've become attached to and think we can't live without it. We're afraid to step where our faith is without boundaries or borders. Peter did that. But when did Peter start to sink? It's when he took his eyes off Jesus and started to look at the storm that was around him. That's when he grew afraid. And when your focus is on the storm, that too is when you start to sink. keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on his word. Keep your focus on his sovereignty and on his promises. And even if you think you are still sinking, cry out to him and say, Lord, I'm sinking. Save me. He will stretch out his hand and catch you. He will stretch out his hand and save. Now, let's worship him as they did. Let us pray. Our Lord, we're going to focus on you. We're going to focus on you as the one above the storm. The storm doesn't rattle you, and it will not rattle us, because even though we are in it, you are with us, and you are mighty to save. So, Lord, while we are trusting in your sovereignty and in your grace, we are going to intercede for our nation, and for our city, and we're gonna pray that you see us through this crisis. We're gonna trust you to do it. Lord, I'm gonna pray that not one member of Eastminster will meet their demise because of this crisis. But Lord, there are others who, even before the nation was in crisis, they had personal crises in their lives are people who felt like they were sinking. Lord, let their prayer be this. Let them stretch out their hand to you even now and say, Lord, I feel like I'm sinking. Save me. And Lord, we pray that you will come to them and that you will save them and that you will rescue them from the clutches of that of which they are terribly afraid. Hear our prayer in this, Lord, and give us your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.